0: Or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the hemp guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095 or visit collateralbase.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. So today... I have a very special guest. He is the street MD and not only self-proclaimed, but in my research, I think he's one of the greatest paramedics in history. Uh, I would like to welcome Reynolds Kairos, MD, Dr. Kairos. How you doing, man? <laughs> Thank you for that welcoming, man. That, uh, I remember that post that you ran into, huh? Yeah, it was great, man. I, I love I, I here's the reason why I love it. It's not only that you actually stepped up and you posted. It, just so I can let people know, I, I was looking through your content and doing some research. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was a TikTok, if I'm not mistaken, that you uh, talked about uh, your your uh, experience as a paramedic and an MD and 20 years and all those other things. Uh, TikTok, correct? Was that was yeah. that right? right? I usually said
2: so, all the platforms, but yeah, on TikTok in one. Yeah,
1: that's, that's probably where I but. But the funniest thing about this is the comments that people's comments are got into, and it was a, it was just such a like you weren't saying it to you know sort of you know hit your chest and bolster that you're the greatest of the great. You were just trying to say to people, I, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you were trying to say to people, like, look, you know, EMTs, emergency workers, paramedics, they don't really live. A lot of them don't live. The lifestyle that they are trying to, you know, address with the, the the patients that are trying to to help. And you're not only living that lifestyle as an example, but you're also a medical doctor, right? So, and you have 20 years of experience. I think that's what you were trying to uh, say, but you know, for some people, they started saying, oh, well, he's comparing South Bronx to X and Y and Z. Look at if he was living in Johannesburg. That's not the most dangerous place, but I thought it was entertaining.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, basically, in a nutshell, I'm doing what we all should be doing. Like, you should feel like the best podcast out, despite the numbers. And if you think about LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, if you think about all these high-level achievers, they never stepped on the field, they never stepped on the court, they never stepped in the ring thinking that they were the worst. You have to think to yourself that you're the best. This is positive self-talk, something that's very rare in our society, but you need to be able to practice it. So am I the greatest paramedic in the world? As per me, I am. But there's possibly, like, for example, I don't teach paramedics. So there's things that are like I teach paramedics in my own way, but not in the academic setting. So there's things in the academic setting that if you ask me right now, like, what does a peak of 10 mean? I'm just like, oh, is it increased airway pressure? You know, <laughs> because <laughs> I haven't like opened up a textbook to to cover that topic in a long time. I focus more on pre-hospital care in the hospital, not, I mean, in, in the person's house, not in the hospital. So the reason i up is because you know, there's people who may or may not be further along, but I don't care. I'm just confident in who I am and what I've done. And and you know, I've 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 taken consideration all the accomplishments that I made. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm humble, but at the same time, it's pretty badass. <laughs> you know, yeah. like go from a high school dropout to becoming a doctor, like it's undeniable. There's so many things that I could say, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, where we could just Unpack it from there, like I tell well, you, well let's
1: let's unpack it from here Let, let's yes, go sir. back because I, I want to build your whole journey, and I want to start from like where where were you born, where did you grow up? and I want to take people through your journey because I think it's really, really interesting and impressive to be able to overcome so many obstacles that you have in your life to get to where you are, and you're still working at it, so m- being the best at something and being confident is, is extremely important, but also being able to show up in excellence and overcome those obstacles, like we all get punched in the face, we all get knocked down, but how you show up from there is really important. I think your story's super motivational. So let's start with where, you're, like, where you grew up in your childhood.
2: Yes, sir, thank you. Uh, well, basically I was raised, I was born and raised in New York City. I was born in the eighties, raised in the nineties by a single mother, on welfare reliance on government assistance and no father figure like my father figure was gangster movies and gangster rap songs gangster neighbors and gangster family members that were in and out of jail so like in between watching barney and cartoons i would watch the movie the movie to society and like rewatch the same clip of the same part of the Area of the movie where he shoots the, the 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 Chinese teller or the Korean teller for asking about his mother, and this was like my favorite movie scene when I was like seven or eight years old. And I remember they asked me like, "Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up?" I said, "My goal is to be arrested for something more violent than my cousins and my neighbors are being arrested for." So the bravado, that masculine energy—if you look at lion cubs and you look at boy, like human boy cubs. Mm -hmm. two brothers like i have two sons Reynolds and xavier they're very similar to animals (laughs) you know like they're humans they communicate like humans they're in elementary school they're able to do all the things that a regular child does but when you see them tussling and grappling it's very similar to the way lions and dogs and you know what i'm trying to say is that at the end of the day a male who has testosterone flowing through his body uh is gonna exert that energy some way, somehow. So I had that energy in me and I had I had no one to really tussle with. And I I exerted my energy towards like uh pursuing a a, a gangster lifestyle. And that was like the beginning of it. You know, um, I started off on going down that path and it spiraled out of control. Like eventually I I ended up in a gang. I ended up being arrested. I ended up carrying I remember I was carrying a rusty 38 listening to like, hip hop music and wishing I could live what that song was saying, you know, because usually hip hop music is like, you know, within the beat and, and the 808s and all that is telling you, kill somebody, <laughs> you know, like yeah. go kill somebody, take drugs and be little women. Like this is what was like going from one ear to the next. And, uh, you know, I, I almost ended up dead or in jail.
1: You know, so Yeah. So how so let's let's walk through that process. You're in school uh, as a kid, but you're you're being influenced uh, because you, you say you don't really have a male role model, you're being influenced by uh, hip hop, culture, music, and movies, you know, Scarface, meta society, all these different things. And like I understand watching and listening but where do you go from watching and listening and aspiring to actually physically you know connecting with that uh, you have family members that were in gangs and you sort of follow along what's what's the process of uh, you know starting to be starting to do the things that you listen to that were influencing you to be that person
2: Well oh, that's because i was raised in the middle of it like i wasn't raised in the safe part of new york i was raised in corona queens which is still one of the poorest neighborhoods in all of New York city in 2023. Like this is my neighborhood. This is well, not my neighborhood, but this is where I'm from. And every time I would step out of my house to go to, let's say junior high school, junior high school was gladiator school. You know, like it was like, you know, there's so many similarities between like the public school system and Rikers Island, which is like the jail for New York city. There's a lot of similarities between like the public health system and like just being incarcerated, so it was inmate training, <laughs> you know, like like going through junior high school in these areas where all my counterparts, all my classmates, all my peers are pretty much going through the same thing, like a fatherless home, no guidance, aggression, and they may have been going through something worse than I was because. At least my mother kept trying, but you have some people who their mother abandons them, their mother's out doing drugs and things along those lines. So, you know, I'm not trying to say I had the worst upbringing because there's people that had it worse than I did, but if you put us all under the same
1: roof, now we're either friends or trying to show each other who's toughest. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm from Philly. I live in LA, but I, I was raised in Philly and going to school. Public school, and uh, I actually go to school like in North Philly and parts of that. It's all click sort of clicks, and you have uh, different clicks based on you know race, ethnicity, and you know who hangs out with whom. And you have all these different uh altercations with people. So, I I love the analogy that you just brought up because it always reminded me like you're going to school. But you're you're watching your back and you're watching your front because every single day there's I, I talk to my daughter, she grew up going to private school in the in the LA area. She doesn't see anything of that. Like maybe there was one single altercation or fight an entire year. Mine was every single day. So that creates this this whole fight or flight mentality. You gotta watch yourself and you gotta figure out do I become part of a certain clique to fit in. So I, so I have like uh, my group with me or, you know, am I, am I then my lone soldier self uh, running around so that it makes sense that you would want to join that certain, uh, you know, your peers so you can have, you know, your people that are watching your back and you're watching theirs and then you do things together. Some kids do stupid shit, you know, smoke weed or whatever it is uh, and some take it, steps further. Is it, is that sort of uh, what your trajectory was?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we're interdependent society, human beings. We, we need, we need that relationship aspect in our lives. And it doesn't matter what age you're in, you need someone. So ideally you would have that person as well. And that's what I did, man. I, I was definitely one of the cool kids. I was definitely one of the popular kids, but for doing the wrong things, you know, like my mother would have to go up to school, I remember like almost every single week for something different. So like literally nine out of 10 of the people that I was raised with or that I used to click up with are dead or in jail or they've been to jail. Like literally, like if we just go through the roster of all of them. What happened to this person? What happened to that person? Which is something I did not too long. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, I, 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 and then that's another thing where I just like, I'm lucky, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like God is good, you know. Because I'm glad, hey,
1: I, brother. I, I- I- I'll tell you, man. It, it's so, so. Uh, I, when I when I turned fifty, I I went back and I, I hung out with my my old school friends. We all met in in Florida, and uh, we we just chilled pretty much. But that's a conversation I had with some of them. Like we sat down, we went through a list. Like this person's dead, this person's dead. I'm like, how lucky are we just to be alive? Because it could have been us in any of those situations. So it's it's definitely something that I'm super grateful for. The the thing that I wanted to ask you on this is sometimes we have mentors, right? And we have mentors and mentor us in the quote unquote like wrong way, and then we have mentors that mentor us in the right way. Did you have somebody that was sort of your your mentor in the in the in the gang or in, in the violence world or whatever you, you were getting into, was there a person or like a, a couple people that were your mentors? Like, I want to be like that besides you like uh, on TV and besides characters like that. Is there somebody that you aspire to be?
2: Definitely, man. I, whatever you see that I've been able to accomplish and you find to be commendable, it's because of mentorship. I didn't make any of it up. Like literally it's because someone paid their blessings forward and I'm doing the same thing online as well. But yeah, I had, I had a uh, street mentor because to join this gang and to be expedited through the process. One of the things you needed was to have someone vouch for you. And I had like one of the more popular gang members in the neighborhood vouch for me like, Hey, that, that kid, he, he's good. He's, he's, he's one of us. He's down or whatnot. And yeah, I definitely had a mentor in that capacity that was uh you know it was leading me down the wrong path as well, but then you know later on you know i I turned it all around
1: with the help of mentors so le- so let's talk about that uh, you You talked about your uh you know sort of middle school experience and, and high school experience, and then you ended up leaving school
2: Yeah, the last grade I completed. It was eighth grade. Mm. I went into high school and I dropped out. Mm. So, you know, you'll see if you look me up, I'm always like, hey, I'm a high school dropout as a doctor. And if this, you know, if you could watch this conversation, if you look behind me, these plaques on the wall are my degrees. And this is the proof because a lot of people are like, what? You're a doctor, you're not in the hospital prescribing Tylenol. You know, <laughs> like, what the heck is the world coming to? It's 2023, bro. Yeah. Like, it's a different day and age. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this one podcast interview may be way more impactful than, you know, me prescribing any type of uh, medications in
1: the emergency room. You know what I mean? So let's. I mean, it's a humongous achievement. And I know that you're super proud of yourself. And I'm sure you know the people that are uh, around you that care and love you are are very proud. But man, it takes so much. Like I I just want people to realize this for, for a minute. Think about it. You dropped out eighth grade and you're a medical doctor. So there is the that gap. Like, how do you motivate yourself from, you know, I'm trying to find myself as a kid to then saying, I'm going to focus on healthcare and start being a healthcare professional and to and get inspired enough to really take it all the way to fruition to be a medical doctor. What, what does that journey look like?
2: Yeah, so basically to accomplish such a task, I, once again, I don't take credit for it. I just, I, just, I just realized I was wise enough and humble enough to let myself be led by other people. Let myself be led down the right path uh whether it was through books, through mentors in person, through content on the internet. Um uh, but you know the, the 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 turning point for me was that while I was living this gang member life, I was being shot at. Someone tried to kill me. And you were actually I,
1: shot. Were you actually shot?
2: No, I did okay. not catch me. Because I played too much American football.
1: <laughs> and I was always. You're, you're, you're fast enough to dodge bullets. <laughs> yeah, no, but
2: one thing I learned in American football is that, especially when I used to quarterback, if you're trying to run away from someone tackling you, you can't run straight. You got to like zigzag or do something. Uh, you run straight on if someone's, if no one's behind you, but if someone's trying to tackle you, you got to like do a maneuver to like kind of leave them behind. This is what I did, but on a scooter. So the person tried to shoot me um, and I got away. I eventually found out who it was and I was planning to kill this person. I found out who it was. My bravado, my ego was in the way. I had a team of deported gang members ready to help me uh, go out and and, and handle this, you know?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: But You know, that that was the turning point where while I was planning it, I heard this voice in my head that said, if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to end up dead or in jail. And you may be able to relate and you probably heard it yourself. You know, being raised a little rough around the edges, your teachers will tell you that your parents will tell you that Like my teachers were racist. They used to be like, go back to the rock you crawled from. You're going to end up dead or in jail. And like, so I never really paid attention to it until this day when things were further along, the plans to to commit this homicide. Um, I actually paid attention. Like the voice came in out of nowhere. I actually paid attention and, uh, I ended up becoming a healthcare provider after listening to the
1: voice. But, but so you, you have a voice and you you realize that you should you probably not a good idea for you to you know commit this uh, this crime and 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 get revenge and all that stuff that's the voice what's the action that you take from there like what do you do because you're and uh, how old are you at that at that time uh 16 16 yeah so what's the action what do you do at that moment so I started
2: planning I started realizing that idle time is the enemy Idle time is the enemy because the first time I was arrested was after they closed down the PAL, which is the police Academy when I was like 13. Um, I used to box and I was getting ready for the golden gloves and competing and stuff. And then they closed it down because of no funding. And that's when my first got arrested. So I noticed that I had to keep myself busy. So one of the ways to keep yourself busy is working. And, you know, in The inner city. If you have a city job, a steady income, and a big screen TV, you made it. That's success, <laughs> you know. So I was like, "Hey, how could I work for the government? How could I work for the city?" I was like, "Okay, a uh, uh, first responder, blue collar worker." Mm. And then I was like, "All right, uh, 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 police officer." Nah, nah, I'm not crazy about like them right now because they're not my best friends. And then, uh, firefighter, no, no, nah, I'm not crazy about mur- running into a burning building. And then. <laughs> Becoming a healthcare provider, EMT, yeah, that sounds good. Those are the good guys because my grandmother, uh, may she rest in peace, she she was your typical – she suffered from all the typical things that an obese person suffered from. Like she was a 100, maybe 150 pounds overweight. So she had the diabetes. She had the congestive heart failure. She had the high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. She had the pedal edema. But I noticed that every time we had to call 911, the EMTs always treated her fairly and they, they were like patient advocates. So I, you know, my grandmother's the reason why I leaned towards medicine. And I ended up, you know, taking the EMT course. After the EMT course in 2003, you'll see it right here. I became a paramedic. I, I, I rose through the ranks. Between that time, I started a business. I was doing CPR training, all that stuff. And then, 2007, I became a paramedic. And then 2017 is when I went and finished uh, medical school, became a
1: doctor. So it's an amazing story because, I mean, you, you sort of nonchalantly touched on, once again, I, I just want to say, you went from 16-year-old to take a course as an EMT paramedic, and then it took you 10 years so to become a doctor. In that time, I'm sure there's so many different reasons why you said, you know what, I like it, but it's hard and I'm not sure I want to do this. I want to do this. So you have to have a passion for something that pulls you through those days that you don't want to get up and you don't want to do that. You said your grandma was the, the inspiration, but what what was the passion that really drove you to saying, I want to do this and I want to contribute, and I want to give back, and I want to keep going forward, not just rest as being a paramedic. I want to keep moving forward to the highest level that I can possibly reach. What was that passion you were connected well, to? Well, I can answer that
2: in a professional setting, and I could also answer that just in a masculine setting. Sure. So the professional setting mixed with the masculine, I've always enjoyed being the decision maker. I've always enjoyed the pressure of of being the person who calls the shots. So every time I had the chance to, as a paramedic, as an ENT, when things, when the world was falling apart, like I, you know, I got my experience in the South Bronx. God. You know, um. So when when I was going through all these critical scenarios with all these critical patients, I eventually noticed, like, hey, I could become a doctor too, and. I ended up just going for it. And one of the things, the passion that allowed me to finish it was I applied what I learned in the self-development books. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to listen to them, to consume it. It's entertainment. You actually feel like a false sense of accomplishment when you consume this type of content, when you consume these type of books, because you feel like you did something. But I knew that I had to do something. I, being a high school dropper, I, I couldn't just stay a first responder. And so professionally, I wanted to rise to the ranks, you know, and, and it was in my DNA to do so. But lastly, I'm a fuck. You can't curse. Yeah, of course, man. Go through what the fuck I said I would do, bro.
3: Yeah.
2: That's it, man. And like you be like all these men out there who are listening to this follow through with your word yeah like at the end of the day you know there's things along in your life that you committed to and left it half-assed you know there's things in your life like a diet plan or you're going to be dating your wife more often or you're going to be cleaning up your car more often and these things that they gnaw at you they you know their part yeah. The the reason why Coming up in your subconscious, in your conscious, because it's part of your destiny. Your destiny is trying to nudge you down that path. But you drown out the voice with whatever vice of choice you have, whether it's alcohol, pornography, anger, anything along those lines. So if you're drowning out the voice, it's, it's hard for you to take action. And then when you don't take action, you lose trust in yourself. Because some of the people who are most respected and trusted are people who have discipline, whose word you can believe in. And I got tired of lying to myself. You know, I got tired yeah. of not following through. And I was like, I'll be damned if I let this shit fucking not go the way I planned. And guess what happened? bro? When I got accepted into pre-med, here's another curveball life threw at me. They took away my school loans. I went to medical school in the Dominican Republic. In Spanish, I became a doctor. While being an American citizen, born and raised in New York City. So my Spanish wasn't all that great. I learned how to become a doctor in Spanish in the Dominican Republic. And while I was there, not working, not making any money, the school takes away my school loans. Mm. So I was left with the option to sink or to swim. Mm. And technically, I could quit and get an honorable discharge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't. Well, how am I going to finish it? You know what I did, bro? I flew back and forth from the Dominican Republic to New York City on long weekends of vacation so I could pay for medical school. My commute to school was on an airplane. Like, nice. I, would sh- I would jump off the ambulance in the Bronx, like, at four in the morning to go straight to JFK Airport and catch the flight. So I could be at the at the classroom before 10 a.m. Like I would go to class with my luggage with my uniform on, you know, and I I would I would travel so much that uh you know customs thought I was a mule or something. They're like, what the hell's wrong (laughs) with that? We keep seeing this guy, you know. But um, you know, and this was like obstacles. But I, you know, being that I, I kept leading on mentorship, being that I kept leading on The self-improvement content, you know, if you guys remember Barnes and Noble, there was Barnes and Noble had everything nice and organized, and this is the self-improvement section. That was my oasis. That's where I went to, like, understand the human capabilities that we all have within us. Like, we all take a shit, bro. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, if I could do it, you could do it in your area of expertise. Because at the end of the day, what's standing between you and the life you desire is obscurity—the fact that not enough people know what you're doing—and I was tired of it. I was like, "Yo, bro!" I—I you know, I, I learned in this book, like, if you can do it, I can do. It. Yeah. If it's been done, it could be done. So, hundred percent. I started like, like I'm not quitting, and that's something that I learned from like high achievers—they don't quit. I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't quit. I'm not going to quit either. Check. I'm going to do that. You know, high achievers, right. uh, you know what I mean? Like, I just started like in, like a process of elimination, reverse, reverse engineering. Like, what do they do that I don't? Okay, I'm going right. to do that. And then I'll figure, like, I don't talk myself out of it. Like, for example, there was a time in my life where I hated codfish. Hated it. <laughs> thank you. Codfish. No, thank you. It stinks. But then I read the benefits. I'm like, oh well, looks like I'm gonna be eating codfish now. You know,
1: get used to it.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah. It's funny. So there's a couple of things I want to unpack. First of all, I love what you said about I I call it accountability. And the first thing you need to do is be accountable to yourself. And lying to yourself is prevalent. Like we all make up stories to make ourselves feel better, but we have to be honest with ourselves and be accountable. And we have to demand that accountability from the people around us. but the first thing we need to do is be accountable ourselves. The other thing you said that was really interesting is this self-help uh, part of uh, Barnes Noble, or just just feeding your mind. And uh, so Tony Robbins talks about success leaves clues, right? So if you can follow uh, people who have done that previously, there's clues. There's a breadcrumb trail to that. And we talked about m- mentorship mentorship doesn't have to come from an individual person that you know your cousin or or somebody it can come from people you don't know it can come from those books that you read so uh in the that inspire you and motivate you do you have like a some of the you know top three or favorite books that that really motivate you and inspire you or uh, that you read
2: yeah so before i start naming off those books i i, I will i would I I like to to give you an example of what confidence and action looks like. Sure. Whoever wants to be inspired or motivated and start going down the rabbit hole of improving your life, I'm your man. You should look for me. Yeah. Because it's like listening to this, you're listening to this, and if you and I start working closer together, you become who you hang around with, whether it's virtually, in person, or whatever. You become that person because they influence you. So be influenced by a real motherfucker. Yep. A real motherfucker. A real motherfucker is a motherfucker who's been through shit and came out stronger on the other side of the shit that was trying to break him. Mm. You know? Like, a lot of times you'll see motivational speakers, you'll see, there's a
3: lot of people, but they're hypocrites. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, man, You could
2: size up a person's daily decisions by looking at them. You know, usually a weak body is a weak mind. And like one of these self-improvement books, it was like, listen, it was like on marketing and and self-development. The lady was like, listen, if you're stressed out, what you should do is, if, if the marketing was not going your way, what you should do is like, Go to McDonald's, get your favorite meal, get a tub of ice cream, and just binge watch your favorite season or favorite show and then try again tomorrow. Right. So you need to realize if you're gonna get a mentor, it needs to be a mentor who's strong in all areas of life, not just in their area of expertise. Cause a lot of times we lean on that. We lean on like, like if you notice, we mentioned that I'm a doctor, but I'm also mentioning like manhood and I'm mentioning these different things because, you know, if you're like a very successful real estate agent, if you're a very successful salesperson, you're just talking about that. Yeah. And I say you're on the yacht. You're on the yacht celebrating. Oh, my God. I just made a half a million commission check. Mm. Fuck it. Let's run a yacht. Or I have a yacht. But what good is that yacht if you're in the pool with your shirt on? What yeah, good is if you're taking your tank top off? And you'll see it like you know, I used to do it myself. Like I'll be with a rash guard on the in the beach, but it's mm-hmm. lack of confidence. And it's like, you know, too too often people are lost within what the world values versus what's truly valuable. And what's truly valuable is priceless. You yeah. cannot a target and buy confidence. You have to earn it. You know, you can't go to Target and buy can do attitude yeah. you need to like cultivate it you know so um if 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 you're looking for motivation if you're looking for inspiration ideally go towards a person whether it's me or there's other brothers and sisters out there on the internet it's not just me by myself you know we're like God's messengers we're part of God's army and we're here to fucking get you motherfuckers out of the dark
1: yeah I love I love what you just said also, uh, because you talk about hypocrisy of people. And I see this all the time because there's coaches, right? There's so many different coaches that coach you, but these coaches didn't walk in your shoes. So they're coaching you how to do something, but they never actually did it themselves. So that's one of the things I really want to uh, have people hear that when you said again, because the people that you look to, to inspire you, to motivate you, they actually went through the trenches. They were in the shit. You know, they got fucked up and they were able to overcome that themselves. So by looking at somebody who you just, you gave an example of, hey, you know, go, uh, they're watching Oprah Winfrey and they're saying, hey, I mean, uh, well, I'll just think about law of attraction. I'm going to think about this. Money's going to fall in my lap. I'm going to eat some ice cream and I'll be okay. That's not motivation. I see that all the time. <laughs>
2: it sounds so fluffy. It sounds so, you <laughs> know, when I hear shit like that, it sounds like someone's scratching the chalkboard. Like, oh, <laughs> right. yeah, go ahead. Go fucking meditate in the woods and do your fucking, you know, go do whatever it is that you, go ahead, I hope it works out. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I, when you're a high achiever, you need to learn how to do numerous things at once. Yeah. So like, as I'm manifesting, visualizing, because I believe that stuff works, like I have a vision board. I believe in meditation. But like, my form of meditation is like a really intense workout. You know, like I'll, hi- I, I'll hyperventilate, I'll do that Wim Hof ice, the ice yeah. bath, all yeah. that stuff. But I, that's, you can't, there's, there's something called the great equalizer. Mm. The great equalizer, as per me and as per the greats, it's time and effort. Mm. That's it, the time under tension. And the effort you put in will give you the results you're looking for. So, you know, if you're if you're looking to build a stronger body, then you need to start doing things that make it stronger. If you're looking to be like, you know, one of my interests is martial arts. I practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I've been practicing for years now. And you know, I could be a doctor all I want. I could be a freaking multi, multi-billionaire, but I gotta get on the mats. Yeah. <laughs> People got to punch me in the face or like choke me, or they have to because that's the only way you burn your stripes. So we need to realize like, for you to do what you want to do, you have to take action, the right action. And like, you know, that false sense of accomplishment from self improvement books, like three books, I would say is max. Like, I think, I think with mentorship, with that type of content, just choose the person that resonates with, yeah, and I
1: agree with you hundred you, you, you me- percent you mentioned um, you talk about optimal health. I, I want to get in a, your own definition what does optimal health mean to you? A person who is strong physically,
2: a person who is strong mentally, a person who is strong financially, and a person who is strong spiritually. so it's not just. Hey, I don't have high blood pressure, <laughs> you know, like, mm. it's like, like that's elementary stuff. We need to like, you know, take things to the next level at all times. Mm. So for, to reach optimal health, you know, there, there's, there's steps that you have to take to get one step closer, but yeah, that's my definition.
1: Yeah. I, I love what you said about doing multiple things at the same time. Right. You know, I have ADD, so I have an octopus tattoo. For one of the reasons is because I'm always doing multiple things at the same time. But I've read so many different you know books, and and, and people are talking about it. you got to hyper, you got to focus on one thing, one thing, one thing. It, it just not. It doesn't connect to me. You, I think, in order for you to be successful in in what my definition of success. Now I ask you, yours. You should be proficient in multiple things and always look at. As you just said, doing multiple things at the same time, but how do you how do you define success? What does success mean to you?
2: Success to me is
1: being the person
2: who is doing what they find to be successful, like their mission in life, what makes them happy, based on their conscious, not based on fucking, you know, what you've been influenced to do, like playing video games or like yeah, whatever. Like what your conscience is telling you. That's success to me. A person who is doing what their conscience, like, who's surrendering to their conscience, like what the conscious is telling them while simultaneously making the world better. Yeah. No.
3: So if you're, you're making a contribution, got it. You
2: know, go lock yourself in the room and don't come out and no one's benefiting from it. Then that's to me is like just being selfish. But if you want to be successful, then lock yourself in the room, come up with like the cure for cancer. Notice air quotes, right? And fucking share it, you know?
1: Yeah. Contribution. So doing what
2: you're doing and then contributing. You you know, you have to pay your blessings forward.
3: Yeah. I love that.
2: Actually with time, volunteering at a nursing home, volunteering as a mentor, whatever it is, but you have to pay your
1: blessings forward. So, being a medical professional, what are your thoughts on you know big pharma versus what plant medicines? uh, Or do you have uh, any thoughts about that? Because we somebody told me that uh, the pharmaceutical industry is the greatest. um, They have the greatest recurring revenue model because you get one you know, pill for something that has side effects. There's another pill for the side effects and then you're on. So every single time the economy goes down, like if you look at, you know, 2008, what was happening? If you look at pharmaceutical stocks, they're up. Everybody else is down because if you're depressed, there's a pill for that. If you're anxious, there's a pill for that. There's always these things. So, you know, how do you feel about what you have to do as a medical professional, given the tools that you have versus maybe other tools that are available that have been in medicine for thousands of years? Plant medicine. So the first thing I think about is that
2: medications save and sustain lives. Like there's plenty of people who were dying in front of me and are now alive and with their family because I had a medication to give Mm them. So if you're going to be operated for a broken bone, you may want some medication, whether you're pro-farm pharma or not. So I think anything taken to the extreme is what's really negative. And what's extreme is that these same people that you're mentioning, you where they're on this cascade of medications, where this medication helps that medication, and that medication stops the side effects of the other medication. That person, you know, when I got people like that in my family, they're just reaping the consequences of lack of discipline. Mm. I don't think big pharma is the, is the culprit here. I think their lack of discipline, their lack of accountability, like you said earlier, mm. that's the real problem. Whoever's listening to this and you're on high blood pressure medication, you're on any type of medication, you have to realize that you're most likely leading an unhealthy lifestyle.
3: Mm.
2: Like if you're depressed, if you're smoking weed, if you're, let's say you're smoking weed to calm your nerves. Mm. Go ahead and smoke the weed if you want to smoke it. But I can give you uh, something that will help you multitask. Bust out 200 burpees. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, motherfucker. Bust out 200 burpees. Check right. to see if that one thing that was causing you stress is now causing you stress. After your heart rate reaches over 130, something like that, you kick in the high, the the sympathetic nervous system once the sympathetic nervous system is in gear you're unable to to like worry about these low level things right so a lot of people fail to realize that your health is your responsibility not mine. it's yeah. you your kids education is your responsibility not the teacher you know what i mean so you you absolutely responsibility not the lawyer that you hired your tax your responsibility not your cpas Mm -hmm. i mean of course you lean on them to be more efficient because it's like oh my god i'm not going to get an an, an accounts degree but at the end of the day you gotta have at least the basics of what it is to be healthy and how to be healthy but a lot of people they just surrender like they're just fucking losers like fucking losers like bro Losers like hard, like you cannot tell me you're successful
1: if you're unhealthy. A hundred percent, man. And that's and that's the thing you can't buy. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, here's the thing I always tell people: you're the CEO of your own life. So a CEO doesn't have to do everything, but you have to know enough and you have to be able to assign to other people and then hold them accountable to what you need. Like you said. I don't have to do my own taxes, but I have to understand, and I have to file on time. It's I'm accountable for my own life. Health is a huge part of that as well. You mentioned, you know, weed for example. So I, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of cannabis uh, for certain things, but as you mentioned, some people lean on on cannabis or anything else as a crutch for other things. Uh, what are your thoughts on cannabis as a, you know a therapeutic agent?
2: So it's, it's
1: scientifically
2: proven to be able to help a lot of ailments. Like, there's plenty of cases. If you go down the rabbit hole of typing in THC, the scientific name, of cannabis, cannabis, you know, they use different words to, to refer to it. Um, but it comes from the earth. Yeah. This is what, like, I don't consume it because I'm one of those people who get the munchies. Like, I would eat <laughs> Like literally, like I used to make a movie out of smoking, bro. Like I used to smoke weed and I smoked it for like 15, 20 years or less. I used to like literally sell my clothes to, to, to be able to, to maintain the habit. So with me, I feel like people that smoke weed, if they enjoy it, go right ahead. It's your life. But you need to realize that, um, it makes you lazier. A lot of people they become less productive. I will, I'm speaking from my experience. Um, when I was smoking every single day, I could go inside of a nightclub and feel perfectly sober or feel mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Oh, my high is going down, or whatever. But you know, if you're a recreational smoker, let's say, it makes you chill, and people need that. But not everybody. It makes you chill, and you you'll be like, oh, but Snoop Dogg. You know Snoop Dogg, uh, uh, Wiz Khalifa, and all these people. Do you want to look like Snoop Dogg? Have you seen Snoop Dogg with no shirt on? Yeah. And Snoop <laughs> <I> Dogg, <did. laughs> you got to realize Snoop Dogg and these these people who promote pop culture. Um, nothing against them, but at the end of the day, you have to analyze yourself because what works for them might, may not work for you. You know, we're all individuals. So my whole okay. like everything that has to do with cannabis is that it didn't work for me because it made me too lazy. It made me want to eat too much. And it decreases your inhibition. So, like, what you usually say no to feels way more appealing when you're intoxicated or when you're under the influence. So, like, you know, if you guys are listening you ever had sex while being high off marijuana, it feels even way, it feels way better, you know, because you're <laughs> heightened so yeah. it's like you're more prone to not use a condom yeah because you're like well because i'm the type of guy who's like yo, know, one domino fell fuck it let them all fall so if i smoke i'm like fuck it let's eat pizza i already smoked i might as well eat oreos and i might as well have sex with this person with no condom on like you know you it sounds extreme but for me personally it de- it, it uh, definitely led me to make decisions that Eventually, I was like, damn, if I was sober, I wouldn't have made it.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, the name of this podcast is Everything is Personal. So you hit the nail on the head. It's a personal experience. I wrote a book on making cannabis personal. uh, And what you just said, there's genetic predispositions. And if people know how certain cannabinoids, how certain substances affect them personally, that's your own personal experience. So there's genes for impulsivity. There's genes for dependence. There's genes... By the way, munchies. You know, certain certain cannabinoid uh, uh, cultivars with terpenes affect people differently for munchies, and for some people, you want that. You have cancer patients that are going through chemo. You have people that are, you know, going through other. They need to uh, stimulate their appetite, and cannabis does that because they excrete a certain amount of endogenous chemicals, anandamide, and 2-AG, and there is a signaling. Through the vagus nerve to something called ghrelin that uh, creates an appetite for us. And and it's not only appetite, like we don't get, we don't consume cannabis and crave kale or, or a salad. We consume cannabis and crave fat, salt, and sugar because that's satiating. That makes us feel really good. But if, like you said, if you can get that same feeling from other like if you're consuming cannabis i work with a, a lot of like bodybuilders or professional athletes some of them consume cannabis to be able to perform better in whatever you know uh, sport they they're in or to recover faster from whatever workout they have so if you find what works for you it's definitely an individual thing but for some people it doesn't work the same way and you it's actually uh you know prohibitive of them accessing their, their best selves. So I, I completely uh, agree with you on that assessment. I have, a, I have a question for you because I don't want to be short on time not ask this. What are some of the most fucked up experiences as an EMT that you had in South Bronx? I'm just curious because I've talked to a lot of emergency room uh, like uh, healthcare professionals and they were telling me some really fucked up stories. So I'm just curious if you have any uh, real interesting ones that you can share.
2: To me, the most fucked up shit is seeing someone in their worst time of their life. You gotta think about it, when people call 911, they're either just they just want a cab. Cause a lot of times the ambulance is just a fucking glorified Uber, glorified taxi. You know, a lot of times these people they don't have money for taxis, so they just bought the ambulance because they got health insurance paid by the government. But, you know, out of ten calls, you got that one call that you're like, yo this person really needs. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that affects me the most is when you see the people who are taking care of this person or are in the vicinity of this very, very critical scenario,
3: mm-hmm.
2: not be phased by it or not care, like, you know, maybe bleeding out and they're just not phased by it because their, their heart is so cold. And that happens to me as well. Like I'll be doing CPR. like All right. You know, this is just another thing. So you get compassion fatigue. But for a person that is not supposed to have compassion fatigue, who's not like a healthcare provider, to me, it's like, damn. But, you know, I think the worst things I've seen are some of the worst things I've seen. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've seen on the ambulance, but while I was becoming a doctor as well. Like, I've held people's brains in my hands. I've amputated or participated in the amputation of little kids' arms. I've seen. Premature babies dead inside of a cardboard box, like literally in the hallway, yeah. with eyes flying on them, because we're waiting for the people who clean up the hospital to
1: like remove the baby's body. So, how do you deal with that? Like, you know, it's got to take a certain toll on you as as a healthcare professional by seeing all these, especially with kids. Like, and and you said this compassion fatigue. So you 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 have to suppress. Or compartmentalize some of that, but you also have to work through some of that, right? It, being empathetic as a person, what do you do to deal with that? Is that is that like going to the gym and getting some endorphins and, and dopamine, and kind of trying to push that to the side, or what do you At do? First, I was just doing
2: the same thing that we all do, which is look for dopamine, look for the neurotransmitters that make you feel good. So I went to look for comfort. But realize my people comfort and growth, they don't coexist. So I was not growing. I was actually dying. I ended up gaining almost 70 pounds, bro. My kidneys were failing me and the stress from medical school and dealing with everything that I was dealing with, uh, you know, working in the Dominican Republic, I mean, working for free in the Dominican Republic, working in New York City as a paramedic, flying back and forth, drinking Mm. six cups of coffee. All this stuff. I, and I had two kids while I was in medical school, hmm. and of course through a divorce. So I'm divorced, by the way, guys. Um, and then I got remarried when my wife was 14 years younger than me, and she's a modern. And we just had a brand new baby girl. Her name is Dahlia. Um, congratulations. Yeah. So you know, I just want to give you like the whole context of how it went around, how I spun it around, and the reason why is because during the first marriage, I was the biggest bitch, bro. Like I'm eating with all this stuff at the professional setting that it i I fall into depression. I wanted to commit suicide, bro. Mm-hmm. I was eating like the way I coped with it was eating a lot of pastries. I was jerking off like three, four times a day. Oh my God, it's too much info, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's look at your browser, your bro browser, your web browser history as well. <laughs> I was like pornography addiction, prostitution addiction, drug addiction, caffeine, nicotine, the whole shebang, bro. Like I would literally, my ex-wife, I would like tell her, like, yo, go to your mom's house. And I was just smoking blunt, have all the movies lined up, have all the porn lined up and like the pizza followed by the sandwich, followed by the, uh, the ice cream, the whole thing, bro. And then- when when the high goes down, then I'm going to smoke the other half of the blood and I'm going to smoke the cigarette. And it was like a whole ordeal for eight hours, you know, just seeking refuge, bro.
3: Yeah.
2: From what I just did, which was like seeing a little kid die or or, wow. or, or, yeah. or, or, or or kid be abused. I was just like trying to unwind And You know, you may not, people listening may not take it to that extreme, but their version of that is a six pack. Yeah. They're, is going to the bar oh i had a really hard a hard week's work i could have a six pack of beer you know but remember me i'm more like intense you know so i'm just like fuck it let's go all out you know but now you know you got to realize man the stress we all deal with stress mm-hmm. and for the most part as americans and western culture we all deal with it the same way which is give our stress to another substance that masks the stress but the best way to remedy it based on my opinion now is you need to go exert yourself and have a positive venting mechanism yeah and what that looks like to me is again multitasking you're a high achiever you're running a business you wrote a book go lift weights go do a martial art go for a run go for a walk like get out and move your body so when i'm stressed out like i'm going to the dojo the martial arts dojo and i'm like oh my god what a day this is this day kicked my ass i'm stressed out but then i go there and get my ass kicked literally you know by the upper belts and the people who are training with me and then i come out smiling yeah because it calms you you'll see like guys with cauliflower ear and guys who train a lot They're very calm. Like some of the nicest people are black belts. And that's because you put yourself through the ringer so much that you're exhausted about the ringer. So you're just calm state at all times. But, you know, if you have to turn on the switch and defend your family, you will. You know, so for people who are dealing with stress, here are some actionable items. Number one, work out every day. A lot of motherfuckers want kudos and brownie points for working out two to three days a week. Like, you're a fucking man, bro. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're supposed to lead, protect, and provide your family. You can't do that if you're not able to run down the block. You can't do that if you're stuffing your face with alcohol and like, buffalo wings. And if you are able to do it, you're doing it at a lo- lesser capacity than you really can if you were to fan.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: so move your body be conscious of the food that you consume be in a calorie deficit if you're overweight lose the weight bro Mm -hmm. you you may not know this but high blood pressure diabetes are silent killers you may be suffering from it right now Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and if you're fatter or heavier than you're supposed to be you're overworking your organs and by overworking your organs, little by little, you're chipping away at them. So be in a calorie deficit. And lastly, the, you have to have a mental fortitude. Like, Don't accept any labels. Don't accept any diagnosis. Don't accept anything. This is who I am. That's it. Own that shit and work around it. You know what I mean? And just yep. basically have a can-do stoic attitude. Because a lot of people, you know, oh, my God, it's cloudy outside. Fuck it. I'm not going to work out. If you look at my right now, at the time that we're recording this, you'll see that at 2 a.m., it was raining outside and it was cold in New York City. And I was running through New York City in the Bronx at 2 a.m. Do you have to do that? No, you don't. But, bro, you have to chase vitality. The the mistake a lot of people make is that they prioritize professional development and they 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 forget about personal development. And personally, you have to first work on your what's personal, which is your body, your temple, your mind, your brain. So you know, if you're dealing with stress, you can multitask once again. Multitask by remediating the stress. While simultaneously building yourself up, you know, and with those
1: apps. That's yeah, it's a great, great advice. I mean, David Goggins, uh, who I'm a big fan of, that sounds very similar to what you know he does. And he's gonna whatever it takes, right, to uh, to get further, to push yourself further. Because sometimes we're creatures of comfort, so it's a little difficult. Ah, you know what? It's raining outside. I'm going to skip today, but if you can motivate yourself and hold yourself accountable to that higher standard, you'll go out and you'll do whatever it takes to, uh, to move to the next level, push yourself harder because we, I think we set up our own personal limits of where we can go. And we don't know until we push through those limits. Cause I think we're limitless. We can go anywhere we want. And, uh, if we set our mind to it and and take action associated with that. Um, What are some of the personal goals that you still want to achieve? So, I'm strong
2: physically. I'm strong mentally. But I understand that there's still more work to be done. So, one of the things I advise the listener to do is uh, leave your strengths on autopilot while simultaneously working on your weaknesses. So, my conscience tells me to be a world-class entrepreneur. My conscience is telling me, guiding me towards becoming a business-to-business expert. Most of my business now is business-to-consumer, but I've been always guided towards entrepreneurship at a high level. So I'm researching B2B now and B2G.
3: B2B, business-to-business, and B2G, business-to-government. applying the United States government that are linked to my area of expertise. Like I'm not going to sell fucking toilet paper to the government. You know? I'm gonna focus how I can give back to the country that gave me so much with this this knowledge that I have. Those are my. But notice, you know, that's why i leaving my strengths on autopilot. Like I've been able to reach over 4 million
2: people worldwide online. <laughs> and I'm going to continue to do that. It's going to continue to grow. That's amazing. Right, so da-
1: I have, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: I'm holding it. Da- while still maintaining those daily tasks. So it's not like, you know, because a lot of people they are like, oh my God, oh my God, I got this goal of becoming a multimillionaire. It sounds like I'm going to stop working out for five years. You know what I mean? Like, nah, man, you could do it both. You just have to, like people got to realize just because you don't know how to do it doesn't mean it can't be done. Yeah. 100%. But you got to sign level of, You got to get around a high level person that'll show you like, Hey, this is what
1: works. You know. Yeah. And that's what we talked about that, that success leaves clues and that that mentorship uh, that you should connect with. All right. So I have a few questions I ask my um, guests. I'm a big music guy. So this is sort of off topic what we're talking about. I don't know how you, uh, uh, what your connection to music is, but I'll ask you anyway, if you had to choose five albums uh, that you have to listen to for one year, and it's only those five, and by the way, I know that these change from time to time, and if you don't remember the name of uh, you know the album, you can just mention the artist as well. What would those uh, five albums be?
2: Nas, Illmatic, it'll
3: be 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, It'll be, well, Biggie Smalls, Ready to Die, or Life After Death, and it'll be Coogee Rap.
2: Uh, I, I don't, I don't know the names of this, of this. Yeah, I,
1: I think yeah, there's one more. I think that's four.
2: It'll be Coogee Rap, Fifty Cent, Nas, and the last person I can think of. Will probably be Daddy Yankee.
3: Okay, cool, got it.
1: Um, Do you remember the very first concert that you ever attended? Uh, Yes, and it
2: was uh, Uh, one of the first concerts I ever attended was Mark Anthony, and I was blown away by that guy, Mark Anthony. Guys, he's a salsa singer. Who's also like a movie star. He's been, he's like bilingual, whatnot from Puerto Rico. And if you ever watch one of his concerts, and he's and he's really talented. But the most, the thing that blows me away the most is like the acapella portion of his performance, where he'll just start singing, singing, and no music is helping. Nothing. It's just pure talent.
1: You know. Yeah, he's got an amazing voice. He he was mad to uh, J Lo too, but he. Yep you're you're absolutely right because there's so many artists right now that don't sing like i go to shows and they sing over a track but you know removing all that and just showing the person in a raw self i think that that's pure talent uh do you remember what the last concert you ever attended was yeah the last concert
2: i attended was la banda real which is like uh forlore the folklore Dominican merengue music and it was in the Dominican public where 10 it I love it it's like if you want to see like a modern version of African African influence and, and Latino influence and like slavery I, think, I guess you could say slavery music because of the instruments that they use you look up la banda real in vivo in live and you'll see like the way the sound of the drums and the instruments the guitars and all these things—they got this thing that's a guida A guira is like this; it's like this big, uh, maybe like twelve inches, and it's got little holes in it. Where they 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 rub a uh, a metal comb on it, and it makes beautiful sounds. It's kind of weird; <laughs> you would never expect it, you know.
1: So, uh, super yeah. cool. All right, so a bonus question, a final one. Please describe what your room looked like growing up. Say it again say that one more time please describe what your room looked like
2: growing up i had a lot of posters <laughs> a lot of posters of rap albums a lot of posters of michael jordan and a lot of
1: posters. yeah so give, give us so michael what, what rap albums like paint a picture for us walk in the room
2: i had an autograph wow you see you know how to touch that nostalgic nerve man you make it <laughs> <wild>. <laughs> i had a little basketball court I had my Super Nintendo with my with my box TV, and the box TV had a little baseball sticker on the side of it, and the Super Nintendo was there, and then I had a uh, 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 like photo like the the cuts of the CDs for the albums that I enjoyed, which was like the Fujis, NAS, Biggie, and I would paste it on the wall with like glue from school, but was permanently stuck on the wall, and then I would like put like a basketball. Uh, Because I used to play a lot of basketball as well, so I had like Michael Jordan on my wall, and I had like random uh, beautiful women as well, all around me. And then I had like graffiti that I used to do on paper that, or that friends did for me, or something along those lines, that were like on the wall as well. So it's more like, you know, the, the the gist of it was like that. It was like an art exhibit of what my brain was, what my what was inside of my brain, which was like hip hop music, women, sports. And like just a better life and by the way if you guys want to put yourself there i had a blue carpet a very small twin size bed like a like a smaller version of the twin size beds i had uh it was attached to my mother's room i did, I did not have a door it was a porch it's the size of a walk-in closet that was converted into my bedroom and it was extremely cold in the winter times because i had no insulation uh blue carpet and uh Yeah, that's the same room I used to sneak out of. So, (laughs) like, when I started reaching the time where I wanted to start going to the streets, I would wait for my mother to go to sleep and sneak out the window because it was in the front portion of the house.
1: Got it. Yeah, I can visualize the whole thing, so that's a great description. Uh, Right, where can people find out more about you, engage in your content, download? Uh, I think you have a book as well, or it's... uh, digital content, so just let people know how to engage with you.
2: Yeah, so the best place you can find me is on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. But if you Google my name, Reynolds Kyrus, you'll see that there's this whole. If you want to go down a rabbit hole and confirm everything we spoke about here, uh, feel free. Um, but you can find me on Google as far as like for research purposes. But if you want to reach out to me directly, I'm most active on Instagram right now. But I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on TikTok. I have a YouTube channel. I've uploaded over five hundred videos. You know, I'm all I'm all over the place, and uh, but I'm, it, man. All, minute, I'm here to I'm here to help. But by the way, guys, love if you if you felt if anyone felt uncomfortable with anything that I said, it's the truth, and you needed to hear it. Remember, a real friend is going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And yeah, unfo- I love that,
3: man.
2: unfortunately, you know, back to the, be- the episode we spoke about how in the comment section there was a lot of people who just did not agree. And these are my peers. So you need to realize if you're a high achiever, if you are resonating with what was happening during this podcast, first of all, leave a review because it helps the algorithm. Comment below and help the big brother out because the algorithm responds to engagement. So if it's any value, do that please. Secondly, realize If you resonate with it, you're going to have people who are supposed to support you, bring you down. Because you're a reminder of what they gave up on. And these are my peers. Like I've uploaded over 500 videos trying to teach EMTs and paramedics how to be better EMTs and paramedics from a doctor's perspective who's also a paramedic. Where else are you going to find this? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. These are the first people to bring me down. Same thing. You
1: said it. Saying, you. you hit the nail on the head. And that, that makes no sense.
2: Yeah. There are half-finding members that bring you down. So, you know, if you're listening to this, understand. There's a, there's a big possibility that you're not wrong. You're just a, around the wrong people. And you have to get around the right people. High-level thinkers. High achievers. You know? So if you resonate with this, it's because you're most likely going down that path, but you need to get around people who are doing the same thing because if not, society and those naysayers will suck you in and spit you back out. You'll wake up fucking 80 years, 80 years old with nothing to show for it. Beautifully
1: yeah. said, brother. Beautifully said. Love that. Uh, re- really appreciate your time, man. This was great.
3: Thank you so much. Likewise.